You're listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today, with your hosts Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Hey, Craig, how's it going? Oh, hey, Joe, it's going well. For those of you listening live, sorry for the delayed start. My computer decided that it didn't want to be friends with me today. Uh, so sorry about that. Had to do the quick, the good old fashioned pre episode reboot. Yep. So, uh, Ser- seriously. And non tech guy said, have you tried turning it off and turning it on again? He totally, he totally did. He totally did that. <laughs> so, uh, sorry about the, uh, the late start here, but we've got, uh, actually have quite a bit of stuff to, to talk about. Um, we are going to talk about, uh, we, the last few weeks we've had people ask bullpen questions. Um, questions about what the bullpen might look like. So we put some names together and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So that is coming. We promise looking at you, Michelle. Um, but since we're kind of going well in spring training here, it's a good time, uh, to talk about Ian Desmond finally having a job. Yes. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers of Texas in Arlington. Uh, for signing Ian Desmond, shortstop Ian Desmond, to a one-year, $8 million contract to play left field in Texas. Yeah, that's it's very interesting, uh, to say the least. It's an interesting contract. It's an interesting deal. Uh, I think certainly uh, monetarily and as far as a leader and a general athlete, the uh, Rangers did very well to sign Ian Desmond to this type of contract. Um, and I think that's, that's putting it lightly. Um, they got a really, really good player out, out of it. Um, granted really good a, player, really good clubhouse guy. And if you've looked and seen what Texas has done over the last two or three years, they've really gone after strong guys in the clubhouse. I mean, the day after he signed, when he reported to spring training, he was already just, you know, having a blast with these guys. So it's a, it looks like it's going to be a, very lighthearted, close clubhouse. Yeah, and, and so I look forward to, to seeing what he can do there. Um, it's certainly a place where the ball flies. That's going to be a big advantage to Desmond with a bat where he swings super hard and for the fences, which is one of the things that I uh, always loved about Desmond, to be honest with you. I know it bothered a lot of people that you know because the strikeout rate was higher, but he had the potential for, for serious pops. So I, I look forward to seeing what he can do there. Um, with a, with a pretty good team around him. So uh, it, it could be a fun year for him to try to recoup what happened last year uh, and and have a nice little offseason coming up instead. What do you think about his uh, viability as a left fielder? Oh, I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah? Uh, I think that um, there's obviously going to be issues. It's not going to be perfect. Right. There's obviously going to be concerns with um, – the 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 path of the ball, the fact that you know he's playing left field has significantly more ground to cover, but he has more time to to adjust and get used to that. He's going to have all the spring training knowing that's going to be his position, so he could focus all spring on that job. Right, uh, and it's all on the left side of the infield, so the path of the ball is going to be similar. He's going to be a little bit more used to it as opposed right. to uh, you know a second baseman going to left field, which is a little bit different. Um, 
there certainly will be growing pains as there would be for anybody going to, you know, from an infield to a very good, a player who's a very good at his infield position to then going to an outfield position. Um, But I think he's going to be very, very good at it. Uh, What what about you? Um, I definitely think it's an interesting move considering uh, he's an over 30 shortstop, uh, usually at a time when the body starts to decline uh, for professional athletes, that he's moving to a more, I guess, movement-oriented, obviously not as uh, quick reflex position as shortstop, but much more ground to cover, as you said. I think it's an interesting switch. Um, He definitely, I think, is going to have one of the better – the top 5% arms in of all left fielders. I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm, so that bodes well. Uh, But it just looks like the Rangers could not count on Josh Hamilton uh, being healthy for any extended period of time. Uh, So, which is kind of, I mean, it's smart on them. It's kind of been his career. I mean, that's, that, that's what Josh Hamilton's careers look like by and large. So smart on them to get some insurance um, for Hamilton health wise and, and all sorts of different ways uh, that that you're not just sure. You're just not entirely sure what you're going to get. And you never know. uh, The Rangers could, you know, have a bad season to start and trade him for someone looking for shortstop help or uh, for the stretch drive. But I mean, the Rangers were a playoff team last year. They had that memorable series against the Blue Jays that was a ton of fun with the craziest hour. Oh, ever. yeah, that was that series. I totally yeah. forgot about that. So, I mean, Desi's going to a contender. It's great. Uh, playing left field It is an experiment. Uh, I, I think he can do it. I think it's an interesting fit. Uh, definitely an adjustment period. But uh, worst comes to worse. He has a mediocre year, and he gets to play shortstop again uh, without a qualifying offer hanging over his head, most likely. So. Yeah. Um, what do you, let's see how I want to ask this question. Um, what do you think about the Rangers taking a chance on this kind of contract, getting rid of the, you know, getting, losing a draft pick and getting a guy playing a new position for one year? Uh, risky, of course. Yeah. Uh, that's, he is in the bottom hat. He will be in the bottom probably 20% of offensive production if he's based on his last two years of, you know, action, he'll be in the bottom 20% of production for left fielders. And that's not great, but that's a lot. 20 home runs is a lot less valuable as a left fielder than it is at shortstop. So it's an interesting deal. It's a gamble. It could work out. It could not work out. And um, hopefully Ian's luck uh, turns around because he's had a pretty unlucky last couple months or last uh, year. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting point you bring up about uh, Desmond's bat because you're, you're completely right that his, his bat plays very well for a shortstop for a left fielder, not quite so much. Right. Um, so now on a, you know, one of Desmond's, if you're looking at the, what the, 14 and uh, 13 and 14 seasons, uh, you know, not the, the slugging numbers were there. The home runs weren't. So you could look at that and say, you know, he plays at that level. He, he'd be in a pretty good spot, but uh, I definitely thought it was a, he certainly is a net gain in the clubhouse. We all know that there's no doubt about it, but um, 
when you're, I guess if you're figuring if you're the Rangers, we're, we're in a competitive spot and we're less worried about the draft pick than we are as having a starting left fielder play there for 162 games, whether that's Hamilton or Desmond or a combination of both. So, um, and then, you know, you have Desmond that can play shortstop if the worst happens, you know, if Andrews gets hurt or something like that. So you, yeah. you have... Or Profar doesn't remember how to hit. Yeah, in the exactly. So um, it's a, it's an interesting move. I'll, I obviously, we both wish him the best. And um, I think that Desmond will come up again uh, later on in our conversation today. I'm sure he will. Uh, go see him in uh, Baltimore when he's there. Yeah, that's true. I bet, I bet there'll be a bit of a cheering section there. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we have to move on to, uh, a topic that I think has been looming for a long time and, uh, it continues to loom over the Nats and that's Ryan Zimmerman's inability to get healthy. Um, and it is terrible because we've, we, I know we've said this before. Um, I own one sports Jersey that has a name on it. (laughs) One. And it is Ryan Zimmerman. Um, I love the guy, but, uh, the health issues just, it's non, it's nonstop. It hasn't, and it hasn't stopped in a whole lot of years. Uh, where do the nationals go from here? Um, well, the thing about plantar fasciitis is it is incredibly debilitating. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not a light pain it's really it hurts to stand and it hurts to move it feels like you know needles in your heels constantly um and if you look at a player like albert pujos who has mm-hmm. long suffered he pretty much his 2013 season was essentially a wash i mean he had his lowest slugging percentage by or his lowest ops by a long shot the one year where he just couldn't stay healthy and that's a massive problem. He hasn't really been the same player since it doesn't just go away. It just kind of lays dormant for a while. And this is something that he's going to have to suffer through. Um, and you just hope that he has more good days than bad days, but this, uh, it's not your typical injury because no amount of rehab is really going to do anything. Right. So you really just kind of have to keep your fingers crossed and hope it just goes away enough that he can move on the field. I mean, granted he's in a less physically demanding position being at first base, but it's going to completely sap his power. If you're not able to, you know, have that plant foot there, if you're not able to get a good stride step and, and Pujols went through that. That was the exact situation that Albert Pujols went through that, that entire year where he struggled with, and I'm sure he still does, but that first year where it was real bad for Albert, he, he had that problem. He had no power because he had no stride that he could that he could use to actually drive the ball. Yeah. And, I mean, his slugging percentage went down almost, like, 80 points in a year. Right. Which is, and it's certainly not because he's a good hitter. <laughs> right. So, it just – it knocks the whole system out of whack because, I mean, how much do you really – you use your feet a ton when you're yeah. batting. I mean, that's – you can't have a good base. Even if you're a first baseman. So um, it's just one of those situations where the Nationals just have to wait it out. There's really not much you can do, and that's the scary and sad thing about it. Uh, This is not a fluke injury. This is not a uh, messed up shoulder. This is, you know, nothing that surgery will really help. Right. 
no amount of rehab will help. It's just the right stretches, the right movements, and it can flare up at any time. And I still have flare ups all the time. I like to say that's why I don't run, but I think it's just because I'm fat. Well, there are many reasons for that. Yeah. So uh, Ryan so, Zimmerman is not fat, though. No, I, certainly not. No. Uh, so the Nationals going forward are going to have to deal with the question whether or not he starts on opening day. Um, I don't think is particularly relevant to the conversation because you just know that at some point um, he's going to need some time dealing with this injury. Pujols did the year that he went through it because uh, that's just the most prominent example, but it happens all the time. The, the, the idea of a guy dealing with an injury as painful as plantar fasci- fasciitis um, does not – is just not going to be capable of staying on the 25 man roster for 162 games. Um, it's, it's impossible to imagine how that's true. Yeah. So you have to look at what the nationals options are. And I, I tweeted uh, this a, a couple of days ago when the news uh, came out that, you know, he, he was still a few weeks away from seeing a spring training game that, and, and I think that there is some truth to this, that, uh, Tyler Moore getting tendered. Everybody kind of assumed Tyler Moore was going to be non-tendered. Right. I mean, that I, I did everything that I read assumed that there was just no reason to think that. But when you, if you're in the organization and you know how Ryan Zimmerman's uh, foot is progressing, it is much easier to see why they would, you know, have a backup first baseman or a backup backup first baseman, I think in Moore's case, um, to to be there if you if you're not sure if you can count on the health, it's it's worth the whatever he's getting paid. I'm sure somewhere around a million dollars um, to have him as a backup. Yeah, and you're looking at a platoon type situation with uh, Tyler Moore and Clint Robinson. Right. So and that's why I said kind of backup to a backup. I don't yeah. I don't think anybody believes that. Tyler Moore would be higher on the depth chart than Clinton Robinson at this point after Robinson's last season and the fact that he's a left-handed hitter. Um, but I do think that in that case, a platoon makes sense between those two guys um, for, for a lot of reasons, mostly because it, it's a natural state. Uh, they're both kind of on the same level as far as defensive ability. So you're not getting, uh, a, you're not getting a net advantage with either of them. Yeah. Um, and I think Robinson's going to have a nice year. So I think that he's the guy that's going to get most of the starts. Um, but I think you'll see a pretty decent platoon. Yeah. And uh, just to respond real quick, uh, Daniel Murphy, yeah, yes, Beard, does play first as well. And I think the, you, you could possibly see that later in the season, yeah. depending on the trajectory of Trey Burner. So that's that's what I was getting. We we texted about this at the time, and when I throw that threw that out, you were kind of like, "Oh, that was that'd be kind of cool." Um, yeah. But I thought if if you're going to go that route, and you're going to say have a platoon of of who knows what you're getting from Clint Robinson after you know in his sophomore season at 31 years old, and uh, Tyler Moore, who you know exactly what you're getting from him, and you know uh, it's not. It's not bad, <laughs> but it's not Ryan Zimmerman or a really good Ryan Zimmerman replace, replacement. But you can take a guy like Daniel Murphy, move him from second to first. He's played first base. 
Um, and then they have a middle infield involving Danny Espinosa and Trey Turner um, at either position. I, I mean, I would make a pretty strong argument that Danny Espinosa at shortstop and Trey Turner at second is the best, is the better defensive scenario there. I but, think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but the other way I'm sure would work. Um, but I think those guys as the, as the second baseman, first baseman and, and shortstop could be a really compelling product. And I think if there is a belief that Zimmerman is going to uh, be out for a, a, any extended period of time, I think that you might see Dusty Baker go in that direction. Uh, because you're certainly getting a lot, you're, you're getting more, I think in every place you're getting more defensively, um, because you're kind of removing some liability from Daniel Murphy, putting him at first base. Now you have to get him some, some opportunities there in order to get him up to speed, but, um, you're, you're taking him out of the second base spot. You're getting two above average defenders in the middle and with Danny Espinosa significantly above average defender. And you're getting more speed in the lineup with having Trey Turner in the lineup uh, as long as his bat is at a place where he can get on base at a three thirty ish clip. Yeah. So um, if, if they think that's possible, I think with Zimmerman not being in there, if he is not in there, that could be a really advantageous, you know, middle right side of the infield. Yeah. Uh, do you have a preference to those? Do you think that one is better than the other? Um. I don't want to see Murphy move from second base unless Zimmerman's going to be out for a significant amount of time. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair. And, uh, but just a note on the, on the platoon situation. Uh, this is what I was looking up earlier. Clint Robinson last year, platooning against left-handed batters. So he's a lefty against lefties hit four twenty four against righties two fifty four. So, you know, just, just throwing that out there. he, he de- he tends to do well against lefties, which could uh, damage some of the uh, the platoon advantage in that situation. Not so bad. just kind of wanted to throw that little note out there. All right, what did we say we were going to talk about next? Bullpen? Did we say bullpen? Yes, yeah, I, I, I think bullpen is what I we think went for. Is what we said we were going to talk about next. So. Um, the Nationals bullpen situation this year uh, is as fluid as it's been in any time that I can remember. Yeah. Uh, do you, can you think of another time where there were this many question marks on what a bullpen was going to look like on opening day? Um, I think the only time I had any questions more than this year were 2008, 2009 when we saw a spring training nationals team that didn't have more than three starting pitchers. Right. I think that's the only other things I can really think about. Um, But looking at, you know, just going back and forth with you uh, today via text, which once again, I wish you could really see, because it's a lot of fun people. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We really talk all day. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be one, probably just one player in the seven-man bullpen that was on the Nationals' opening day roster last year. Uh, I think there's a really good chance that that's true. Yeah, I, 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 it's, I, I would say a better than 80% chance. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's almost, it's almost a maybe one, but I think there's a good chance that there's one. You know what I mean? Like, it's, 
it's interesting because you're right. There's been so much changeover in that bullpen. I, there, you could very well see zero to one guys. I don't think there's any chance you see two. No. So, uh, obviously, the guy that that you know is going to be in there is is Pavelbon because there's no place else for him to go. Uh, he can't be sent down. He's not going to start. He's not going to be traded. You know, you know that his role is is solid in the Nationals bullpen. And then from there, like you said on the opening day, you know, guys who were on the opening day roster in the bullpen last year that probably going to be there this year. I'm assuming we're talking Blake Trinan. Yeah, Blake Trinan's the only one. Yeah, so um, Trinan is an interesting case because he does have that ability to to that theoretical ability to start. He was a minor league starter, um, and there he has already this season be, been slated to pitch three innings. Uh, the spring training. So it's an interesting case. It almost feels like they, they want to play with the idea to stretch him out. Uh, but when you have guys like Petit in there, I, I and we I'm swear not, to God, one of these days we're actually going to learn how to pronounce it. I know. And I, I'm actually going to say it right someday. Um, with, with Petit in there, you are not going to, you're almost certainly not going to use Trinan for a for a long relief role because um, Petit is basically he started several times uh, for the Giants last season as a spot starter. He is your long man. So, um, but at the same time, I think that Trinan has a pretty firm role in there because of the potential that he has to be an elite reliever. His sinker is preposterous. It's so preposterous, he was a Jeopardy answer. Oh, yeah, that was so fun. Yeah. Um, so, and, and he's been working with uh, Mike Maddox on that changeup, and if he, yep. can, if he can really develop that changeup as his second pitch. Well, you know, he doesn't even have to have that great of a changeup. No, it doesn't have to be great. It has to be good. Yeah. He needs a five and average changeup. If he can have a five changeup, he will be – disgustingly good because like, he has a seven eight fastball like yeah we're talking yeah we're talking a hundred mile an hour sinker yeah uh if he can have a 92 mile an hour changeup, come on yeah yeah i mean cool. lock it in that's yeah that's enough to make a huge difference and it'll be less about you know the change of speed's important but if he can get some sort of of location on that pitch with some change of speed it's gonna it's gonna be unfair to hitters so and that's what he really needs to have happen but i think not maybe not cemented, but a pretty firm position uh, in the Nationals bullpen going forward. Yeah, I would then, like to see that. Me too. And then new guy who I think is going to kind of already has, but uh, is going to become a fan favorite is Sean Kelly, um, who was acquired in the offseason. He just seems to be like the kind of guy who just absolutely needs to be on Twitter, but is not. Yeah, because uh, every quote that I see and everything that he says, he just seems like like a hilarious guy. I don't know. He just seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Uh, he was kind of my my dream bullpen acquisition <laughs> of the off season, and when it happened, I uh, was really very excited about it. And I think the Nationals uh, inked him to a three year deal, so I- I'm excited to see him around for a while because I think. He could really fit that seventh or even eighth inning role if necessary for for a while for the Nationals going forward. Yeah, that's an incredibly valuable spot for a reliever. And he just, honestly, he just seems like one of these guys that just gets it done. Like, yeah. 
it doesn't seem like he, he's not going to be super duper expressive on the mound. He's not going to be shooting arrows. He's not going to be untucking his shirt. He's just going to go and work and he's going right. to do his job and he's going to do, he's going to go pitch whenever Dusty comes out and touches his right arm. And yep. <laughs> that's yep. pretty much what he's going to do. And there's a lot to be said for someone that day in, day out can go and pitch effectively because, I mean, he just seems consistent. And that's something that the Nationals sorely, sorely lacked uh, last year. I mean, he just looks like uh, style and, um, I guess, role notwithstanding. He seems like a Craig Stammen type guy. Right. Yeah. That, and that's the thing that I think was, was interesting. I, I completely agree with that, that that's similar kind of, he's going to go out, he's going to pitch. He's uh, he may not be your elite reliever, but he's going to be the guy that, you know, you're in a jam. Oh, Sean Kelly will probably get us out of it. And, and that'll, and that'll be that kind of role. And Stammen kind of had that in a similar, similar way. If, you know, it's a tight game and you need a guy to just pitch an inning to, to get a hold and keep it close. He's going to be that kind of guy. And, he certainly fits a profile of a guy that I like because uh, he's got a career strikeout per nine above 10. So uh, I love that. I lo- m- miss more bats equals good. Nice. I like that. Yeah. I was like, who's miss more? That's miss- weird. <laughs> no, no. Miss who, more bats. Who is miss more? Yeah. Hello. It's no. <laughs> Hello. Thanks you heard me. about Pluto? Yeah. <laughs> That's messed up, right? That's messed up. Uh, so then another acquisition uh, from the, uh, I guess the Unel Escobar trade is uh, Trevor Gott. Got Gott feels like he, despite the fact that he made his major league debut last year, is a pretty firm lock to be in the bullpen. Uh, I don't know. I might be wrong, but it feels like he fits. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. It seemed like that's a big reason the Nationals actually acquired him because he. Uh, was dependable so far. And um, all of the team control. Yeah, and that's um, that's huge. W- which is huge, but he's performed well in, in basically every level of the minor leagues uh, and then uh, performed well in 48 games in his fir- first major league season with a you know an ERA just a tick above three. Um, the thing that makes him so interesting is he's a really, really short pitcher, uh, which... He throws really hard, and I kind of threw this out there. I was really confused the first time we talked about Gott during the after the trade. You know, he's really short and throws well. He throws really hard, but his strikeouts per nine is just above five, which is really low for a guy that throws as fast as he throws. And uh, our friend Johan uh, NLB Snats uh, tweeted at me a, a little, uh, you know, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, and talked about it and said. You know, a lot of that might be the fact that he is so short. And of course, that makes sense because if, if you're throwing it really hard, but it's coming fairly straight and you don't have the downward plane of being a guy that's 6'3", then... Well, you don't have the downward plane and you also are releasing the ball feet and feet shorter or sooner, I should say, that's rather, true. than uh, a John Roush who's 6'9". Yeah, who's... Who's letting it go easily a foot closer to the plate? Oh than, gosh, way more than that. Yeah, than, way than more a guy than like Gottwood. So it's just that's a good point. I hadn't even considered that part. Yeah, it's a lot more time. I mean, a lot more time, relatively speaking. Right. Um, but because we're talking milliseconds, milliseconds count. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, when you have the reaction time that these guys uh, in the major leagues do. It's just that much longer to you know get out in front of it. 
uh, if he's, you know, throwing a 98 mile an hour heater. I mean, that might help it look a little bit more 95. Yeah, that's a very, so, very good point. So, um, and he's got a low minor league and major league level has had a low home run rate, which is, uh, which is always good to see. So yeah, which he, means he's got the ability to keep the ball down and in a, a neutral park, uh, like, like Nats park, uh, that's going to serve him pretty darn well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's he, honestly not a lot of big time, uh, summer breeze going out to the outfield. Uh, just some of those July and early August days. Yeah. So, um, then we talked about Petit a little bit. He's just gonna he's gonna be the long man. I mean, that's that's gonna be his role in the yeah. Nationals bullpen. I think. Yep. I no 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 question there, at all. Yeah, I, I don't see him really fitting any other sort of role. Um, Oliver Perez also an offseason signing was a you know the Nationals <laughs> first big splash of the offseason. I liked the move. Dare I, no day, eat your heart out. I know. Yeah, it's too soon for that. It's not. Uh, but there's something about Perez that the way he's pitched in relief, uh, I, I was a little encouraged by this signing. And I think that that he can come in. He's going to be just straight up loogie, never used in any other situation. And I'm okay with that. Exactly. It, it, there's a significant value into in a modern you know, in modern major league baseball to a person who's like that. Yeah. Um, but if, if any other type of role was used there, I would be uh, pretty surprised actually. Yeah. Um, Cause that's going to be his role and it's going to be good. And the guy who I feel like is a, is a bit of a wild card for his role uh, is a guy who I'm really excited to see how his career progresses after his rookie season. And that's uh, Felipe Rivero. Yeah. Felipe Rivero spits white hot fire. Yeah. Uh, he's going to come out there and drop his mixtape on everyone. And I think he is the 2017 Nationals closer. I think there's a really good chance of that. I think he's on that traje- trajectory, honestly. Um, I I think that the way he throws and with the command that he throws with, I think that he could find himself, as long as he can keep it up, uh, for, you know, his – 2015 form in 2016. I think there's a really good chance that you see him closing baseball games in 2017. He's a lefty who throws, you know, 95 miles an hour and he can locate it. And that, that is, that's the dream. If you're, if you're a major league uh, general manager, especially if it's a guy that you could bring up through your organization, yeah, I mean, you, it, 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 he's going to be, he's going to be cheap. He's a left-hander that throws hard that you can have relief um so those are my seven we talked about them through do you have anybody that you would swap out for anybody else or um that that's currently in camp um i think eric davis warrants a look yeah but i think he's most likely going to be the odd man out the i think he's going to be the uh, eighth guy and yeah. honestly, depending on, you know, how the opening week schedule breaks, you could very much see the Nationals bringing eight relievers north and four starters to start the year. And Dusty Baker's talked about that. And I think that would be a really uh, compelling move because you're not going to need the fifth starter for a while. And yeah, usually need... it's usually it's 10 days or so. 
Yeah, because they there are a lot of breaks built in at the beginning of the year because of rain and stuff like that. They always try to build in breaks for each and snow day. when it's been eighty degrees. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's a really interesting idea, and Eric Davis could be a cool fit there. Um, I think Davis is probably the only guy uh, kind of vying for a, for a bullpen spot for the Nationals that would do that if they were going to go with eight, other than Sammy Solis. Yeah, Sammy Solis, I think they just need to figure out what the hell they're doing with him. Yeah. I mean, starter, reliever, starter, reliever, starter, reliever. He showed some, some really good signs in relief last season Yeah, while he was healthy, but that is, that's a, always been an issue of Solis' his health. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was but, a gamble when the Nats drafted him, and, you know, he hasn't worked out the way that the team has hoped. I mean, almost the same amount of gamble that Lucas Giolito was, and we see how different that signing had turned out. Yeah, that, that, that turned out a bit different. I would say so far, so good. So far, so good. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, so the only other piece that is interesting to me is there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, Bronson Arroyo is an interesting uh, addition to the Nationals' uh, spring training, and if I guess I, it's a two-part question for you. Part okay. one: uh, Does Arroyo make the team? Um, maybe maybe multi-part. Does he make the <laughs> team? If he doesn't make the team, does he stay in the organization? And uh, if he does make the team, what do you do with Roark? Uh, he does not make the team, so I yeah. don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, he's going to try and show he's healthy. And then I think he's going to uh, – he has a, an out clause, what, five days before the season? Yeah. Something like that, maybe a week before the season starts. Yeah, well, he has to be told if he's going to make the team five days before. Okay. Um, and yeah. then I and, and there's obviously an out there. Yeah, you you would expect him to go the out. I, Roark's had a really good start to the, the spring, and I really think him knowing that he is going to be a starter, regardless of whether it's you know Syracuse or DC, is a huge difference. Yes. Um, and I think it's going to show in his mentality. Uh, I think it's going to give him just a little extra confidence. And he's certainly pitching like it. And Bronson Arroyo, with a feel pitcher like that, he's just – he has to be perfect. Yeah. And, I mean, he doesn't have the velocity. He's not going to miss bats. So he needs to hope for weak contact. And if he's off – He's way off, and it's embarrassingly bad. Yeah. Well, at least at least he's not Jared Weaver, who is is reportedly throwing uh, like seventy eight miles an hour right now. I just saw it today. It's like that he's like he was already didn't throw hard, but so you're I, what you're saying is even on the off chance that Arroyo does make the team because you know Dusty lo- loves him and wants to have him on the team because he's a guy he's familiar with, you think that that Roark goes to Syracuse. Not, not to the bullpen. No, I, I think he's a starter, and I think they see more value in him as a starter, especially with the with uh, getting Yuzmiro Petit in there. Yeah, who's going to fill that long role? I, I think so too, and that's where I was wondering. I, you could make an argument that you know you you throw a guy like Roark into the bullpen for those you know that eight day period, but if you're not going to use him, and then you're just going to start him, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think that. That you know, surprise. I agree that uh, Arroyo probably doesn't make the team. You 
typically when you build in the opt-out clause, you pretty much have a feeling you're not going to make it. You're yeah, you, you're not going to make it. And honestly, uh, he's a dusty guy, and he probably, so Dusty's and, trying to give him a chance to get a job. To to yeah, show me you're healthy. Show other show other teams you're healthy, and that you can still do this. There's probably not a fit for you here, but I want you to have a good environment where you can, you know, have a coach that you trust and some support behind you, um, in the hopes that you can show you're healthy. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that's, and I have no problem with anybody filling that role. So just to go down the couple of other guys uh, trying to nail a rotation spot with the Nationals, a couple of righties and Burke Badenhop and Matt, Matt Belisle, uh, and then a couple of lefties and Sean Burnett, uh, former Nats great, and Aaron Laffey. Any chance any of those guys have a chance? Nope. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Uh, I'd love to see Sean Burnett get a chance, but you just look at the other guys that you feel pretty confident are going to make it, and you go, but where though? Well, I, mean, I don't think Sean Burnett's chance is going to come regardless of how well he does in the spring. I think he is hasn't really pitched in two, three years. He hasn't pitched in a long time. I mean, he's had how many arm surgeries? What, two Two or three. Two or three elbow surgeries. I think he said, I thought it was two and a shoulder, two elbows and a shoulder maybe. Yeah, I think that sounds right. He's had, he has had a lot of, he's had a lot of arm issues. It's a long road. It's not, I'm hoping to have a good spring so that I can make the, so I can break north with the team. I'm hoping to have a good spring so I can put together another two good months at Syracuse. The last time, the last time he pitched more than, uh, than 10 innings was in 2012 with the Nationals. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's, 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 working, had, he's had a rough time. He's working for June and July. He's not working for, you know, April 4. And do you think that because he had that success, Burnett had that successful successful year in D.C., and he's coming so, so down, do you think he, uh, he would entertain, because he is on a minor league deal, you think he'd entertain sticking in the organization in Syracuse? I think that's why he's in Washington. I, I think so too. I think that's. I guarantee that's he where didn't he have another up. deal. Yeah, I guarantee he had other deals, other other places. Yeah, but he he knew the area, he knew the organization, and he's he was like, you know, I'm comfortable going there. Yeah, and there's still players that he knows and is familiar with. Yeah, that's a good call. I think, and yeah. I I think I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, wow. So many things. So many yeah. things to talk about. How many more things can we hit? Um, so we've got a bunch of questions, but I think before we get into questions, we have to talk about a cool thing that we got to do last week, I think. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Uh, and then I want to hit on something real quick, uh, other charity-related thing. Yeah, sure. So why, why, don't, you, why don't you lead us off? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say uh, you've seen a little bit on Twitter today, hopefully. Um, uh, April 23rd. A uh, group of Nats fans is going to be honoring uh, Danny Espinoza. There's a charity auction. Proceeds are going to be going to Project Access, which is a group that Danny and his lovely wife Sarah work with uh, that provides services for children, elderly, pretty much anyone that really, really needs the extra help. Um, they're doing great work. There's some cool pictures of the kids sporting Danny Espinosa, you know, mustaches and beards and all sorts of stuff. So we're going to have a beard day and there's an auction and it's awesome. There's some really cool signed items. There's cleats. There's a cool shirt. There's bats. There's beard giveaways. You better not bid on the sign because that's my sign. But I'm going <laughs> to – it says beard 
throwing is a man's game quote nice. Danny Espinosa and it's autographed by Danny Espinosa and it's mine. So you guys need to back up off, but it's a really cool thing. Um, everyone come to that game. Uh, I'm going to tweet a link for the charity thing real quick, but you know, it's really nice that, you know, I know it's not a Nets talk on the go thing for us, but uh, it's nice to share kind of what we're doing with other things as well. So that's a cool baseball related charity thing that I thought warranted a little extra mention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the other side, last week, uh, Craig and I were invited on behalf of uh, this lovely podcast to check out the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy. Um, and let me tell you, you know, you hear the advertisements for, for you know, National Youth Baseball Academy, like on the radio, you hear the spots that go on for like 10 seconds and you hear, you know, it's a thing that exists where you know, with kids in baseball. And that's basically, it's basically what we knew going into it. Uh, and I think it's what most people know about, know about the Academy, but it, it is so much more than that. And it is such a spectacular organization run by a lot of really cool people that we got to meet, including, you know, run by cool people and a lot of really awesome scholar athletes that are there that are, uh, learning about baseball and life and food and, you know, so many cool things. It's awesome. So I don't know. That's kind of my lead into it. What do you want to say about it? Um, you hear about the Nat Youth Baseball Academy. You know, you hear the 10-second ad coming out of a commercial break where everyone's looking at their phone. You, you hear mention of it. You see the Nationals Twitter account tweet a picture of Ian Desmond, um, you know, meeting kids. But you really have no idea what it is. I mean, Joe and I said when we were there, I mean, we're as big a Nats fans as they come. I mean, we've followed the team front office and farm system and everything since day one, since 2004, when they were announced they were getting a club. But I had no idea what they did. I had no idea how inclusive of a program it was, how it wasn't just a place to play baseball, how it was so much more than that and just getting to meet these people and their intern who pretty much gave up his career so he could intern because he so believes in the cause. I mean, seeing the hands um, that are helping these children that really honestly have so very little and how much these mentors really care about them. It was just, it was so powerful to see. And it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was. And to, you know, we had some two tour guides uh, who took us through the facility. There were students that, you know, go there after school, um, middle school students, and they they did such a great job. And they talked about their favorite things about their, obviously, you know, we asked them who their favorite players were. Everybody we talked to is their, their favorite player was Ian Desmond. So yeah, um, that was, they didn't even have to think about it. No, they, not not even for a millisecond did any of them, and and then I was like, well, I guess it's not, I guess it's Bryce Harper now, you know. <laughs> I was like, but they they just loved Desmond for obvious reasons. He was very involved with the uh, with the youth baseball academy. So um, we're definitely going to keep a dialogue with them going forward. Um, uh, just a quick little thing to say: they are looking for mentors, they are looking for tutors, they are looking for people to volunteer to help them out. Um, and so if you have time. You should you should head over uh, to their website and check them out. I should have done this earlier. I did not. I'm going to pull it up right now. So pull it up right now. Yeah. And you don't need to know 
anything about the fundamentals of baseball. Oh, no. This not is at all. not about this is baseball as a means to an end, not, uh, not, you know, a goal. The goal is not to become a proficient baseball or softballer. It is to become better people. And there's tutoring, there's after, there's study hall, there's dance, there's yoga. They have uh, educational classes on how to, you know, cook your favorite foods healthier. Um, this is about connecting with children that need it and might not actually get the chance uh, to connect with an adult figure because their parents might have to work three jobs or they might come from a single family home and they need some place to go after school. You know, this is about being able to change a child's life with the help of baseball or softball. This is not about learning the proper crow hop or, you know, a nice tight left-handed swing. You know, this is about children and trying to improve lives in whatever little way you can. I mean, absolutely. They always say, you know, a little bit is better than nothing, but for these kids, just the fact that someone is there is probably more than a lot of them actually get. Yeah. So, uh, just, just us walking around and people were just, you know, everyone said hi, everyone had smiles on their faces. It was, it was incredible. The, The kids were so happy to just have a place to go that was safe. Um, kind of a safe haven for them and they got to have fun and they got to, you know, there are two tour guides were best friends when they started the program and now they're at different schools and this is where they get to hang out with each other now. And it's, it was just really cool to see. Yeah, it was awesome. And the, unfortunately uh, I did a little bit of uh, looking around. There's not an easy link. So just, just uh, Google nationals youth baseball Academy. It's the first link that pops up. They don't, or, or go to nationals.com and click on the, uh, Youth Baseball Academy link and uh, see if you can get involved, see if you can help them out. Uh, and if not, just be aware that they're there because they are doing really cool work. And if you think about uh, if you get some extra time in the future and you and you want to be able to go in and uh, you you can you could help some kids in a, a subject, you know, a lot about and can tutor them, maybe even in that situation. But uh, it's a really awesome program. And I, I certainly hope that you'll hear you'll be hearing more from us about about what they're doing here going forward. Uh, in the next few weeks. Absolutely. So uh, moving on from the Nationals Youth Baseball Academy, um, we got some a bunch of questions. We got like all of the questions to, to take a look at. Uh, okay, let me find the beginning. I'm, I'm looking from last week's questions. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, back to the beginning. Ryan McGill asks, uh, Ryan McGill. should the Nats bring back, take on me for, for the seventh inning? If not that song, what song would you like to see? Uh, part-time lover. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. That, wow. Yeah. Um, uh, what song would I actually like to see? Well, assuming you don't want to take on me, what song would you like to see? Uh, assuming I don't want to take, I like take on me. Um, I know a lot of people have strong feelings. I think it's a good uh, fan song, participation song, yep. uh, all that. I have no problems with it. Um, anything in that hair metal-y genre I think would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I think 80s music lends itself to that kind of thing because it resonates with lots of different age populations. 
and and is usually just fun. Um, I, you know, I, the take on me thing got old. It feel it felt very forced after Michael Morris left. It was like we're going to make this the thing now. This is going to be the thing that you like, um, and I didn't like that feeling so much. Um, so I would not go down the take on me route. But I think yeah, eighties eighties bands are a good what a good way to go to get everybody involved and something to enjoy, but it's gotta be a sing-along. That's the, that's the number one thing you gotta, you gotta go for is a sing-along. Right. Uh, so Beard asks a very important question. Uh, how much would you pay to buy some Lucas Giolito baked goods? Um, depends on which of the baked goods it was. The banana bread, meh, mm. but, the lemon bars, I'd, I'd pay a, I'd pay a good penny for a, for a nice little uh, lemon bar. I'm a big fan of a lemon bar with a nice little, nice little crust on the bottom, a nice little brown on top. Yeah, I love a lemon bar. Lemon and orange desserts are the devil. Whoa! I know. I Whoa. hate. It's the worst. Hot take. Hot. It's take. a hot take. Wow. Uh, and I'm not even mad about it. But Hashtag Joe's hot take. Wow. I will consume some banana bread, and by some, I mean the whole loaf. Oh, I'm not saying I love I don't love banana bread, but I'm just saying, when was the last time you like had a banana bread and you were like, "This is the greatest thing in the entire world." It's always good. It is always good to have <laughs> a banana bread. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that they're all good. I mean, what can you really do to a banana bread that's going to make it like? That's going to take it from like a six to an eight, you know? Yeah. Uh, Whereas I a you. lemon bar, dude. The, the answer on the banana bread is walnuts. Walnuts is the wow. answer to what, what takes it from a six to an eight. Wow. Uh, but. Hot take city coming from I hear, the I hear what you're wow. saying. I guess. I guess okay. I hear what you're saying. Wow. Lemon and orange desserts are the devil. The devil. They're wow. the devil. Lemon meringue pie, no? Horrible. Wow. You are I, the literal craziest. I am. I am there. I'm putting myself out there for abuse. Wow. Uh, there. Let, let's hear it, folks. Please. Yeah. Uh, that's at the Nats blog Joe on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you for that. Please send him all of your pictures of delicious lemon and orange desserts. Yeah. No. Fill his inbox. Hard pass. Uh, the Frenchie Bros ask a bunch of weird sounds from eating cantaloupe, and it was the cutest. So you should go at Frenchie bros to see it. Cause it made me laugh. Uh, Fang asks who's starting first baseman and designated uh, defensive sub for first base. Let's uh, come on. Let's be honest about the whole situation. Uh, we hit that a little bit uh, obviously, but do you have, uh, uh, do you want to make an official, I guess an opening day prediction. Who's going to start on opening day. You know at what? First base. Ryan Zimmerman is going to start on opening day. Coming from the guy who, when we texted back and forth, put it at a less than 20% chance that Ryan Zimmerman starts on opening that's day. one in five. I like it. Uh, Clint Robinson is the answer okay. to the question. Uh, Fang also asks, do you have any recommendations for a baseball video game or PC game? MLB, the show, is amazing. It's the only video game. I buy one video game a year, and it is MLB, the show. It is wow. Amazing. It is, uh, and every once in a while I buy FIFA, but most of the time, the only video game I buy is the show. Unfortunately, you have to have a PS3 or 4, uh, so if you don't have one of those systems, it's not an option. But the show is amazing and addictive, and uh, yeah, start a show with a player with your name, and you will just go down a rabbit hole you cannot even imagine. Wow. 
yeah, it's a, it is awesome. It is so um, I'm gonna go with Wii Sports Baseball. <laughs> now who's just trolling? How is that trolling? It's awesome. It's not as cool as the tennis. Uh, Wii tennis is fun. Wii tennis is the best, but Wii Sports Baseball. Yes. How is that trolling? I'm a simpleton, I, Joe. You are simple. I'm super oh, simple. Okay, so if we're going to talk about, I didn't even think about non-modern games, RBI Baseball. Oh, RBI Baseball was great. Boom. I also loved Nolan Ryan's Strikeout Baseball. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Super Nintendo. Yeah. Oh, throwback. Um, yeah, RBI Baseball was ori- original NES. It was good. Um uh, Jacko Beam asks, what am I most likely to cry about this season? Oh. Um. Oh. I have uh, a really, I have a very firm answer on this. Go for it. The Nationals winning the pennant. Wow. I was going to say the Nationals losing in the NLCS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Nationals winning the pennant. And I don't know why I said that, because my prediction for the Nationals wins that I'm sure we'll talk about here in the next few weeks uh, does not jive with that, but I just felt like saying it. Well, you win the pennant when you win the CS. So. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Jack Beam also asks, what team will I wish was mine on August 1st? The Cubs. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Um, the Astros. Nice. Uh, the Dan is uh merging the dan is danning questions because the dan is a good question asker uh we have two back-to-back questions uh which nats player would make the best president speaking of leadership temperament not ideology oh boy i could i could go many places with this okay well go the place you want to oh god uh well the easy answer right now is in the current climate, uh, Papelbon is Trump. Jeez. <laughs> oh, but no, no, that's the next question. Which okay. player would make the best president? Okay. Um, okay Actual so person in office. Who's got the best temperament to be president? That's a really good question. Um, I would say Danny Espinosa, because we need a bearded president again. I like that. That's good. Uh, I, I was I was going to go with Anthony Rendell. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, and the next question, which Nats player would make the best presidential candidate, leaving aside ideology? And I think that's where your Pavelbon answer probably goes. Yeah, I think that one, and I think Beard would be hilarious because, like, someone would ask him, like, a five-part question, and he would answer with, like, one word. He'd go, nope. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just I see it working that way, too. Yeah, uh, I think he'd be uh, highly amusing because there are a lot of funny looks coming from the beard. I think uh, the best president um, in terms of, I guess, personality and intelligence would be Scherzer. For well, obvious candidate reasons. or president? President. Okay. Yeah, so my candidates are, are, are Scherzer and Geo. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, because their personalities are phenomenal. And I, I think that, you know, they're, they're the likable guys. They're the guys that you, you know, want to have a beard with. They're, uh, they're a beard with, a beer with. Uh, there are obviously a lot of likable guys, but yeah, they're on that list. Nice. Uh, Alexander asks, 
Alexander. Uh, predict uh, Joe Ross's uh, ERA whip, uh, strikeouts. Well, I'm going to, yeah, strikeouts and FIP. Oh, my gosh. ERA, 3.7. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good guess. FIP, 3.5. What were the other ones? Uh, whip and strikeouts. Whip, 1.065. Wow, that is really low. Yeah, well, he's, he's going to strike out some, some Bamas. He, he does strike out. People. He's gonna he's gonna strike out some Bama's, um, and yeah, I'm just I'm gonna stop there. Okay, works for me. Uh, I'm gonna go for ERA. Oh, it's such a good guess. Uh, ERA, I'm gonna go with three point eight. Uh, FIP, I'm gonna say uh, three point uh, six ish, <laughs> nice. and then uh, WHIP, I'm gonna say one point two. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, Beard wants to know who we want to see as the fan choice bobblehead. Uh, uh, I believe Vandy girl, Jen, Jen had this the best, uh, Lobatone with the Gatorade cup goggles. Oh God, that is awesome. Yep. I hadn't seen that and I no other answer is valid. Yep. I, it's the only ones I could think of, um, that could potentially be a choice bobblehead would be God. I can't even remember what I said earlier. Nope. Can't remember. Um, I guess Rendon. I mean, cause he got a gnome last year, but he didn't get a bobble. Yeah. Or Daniel Murphy, just because he's the big off season acquisition. Yeah. New guy going to be here for a while. I would normally say sure but he gets two this year. Yeah. Because no hitters. Yep. Scherzer is the obvious answer, but he's already got him. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that is an awesome that Lobatone with the Gatorade cups. That is perfect. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't need anything else. That is perfect. seriously. Uh, he uh, Lobatone with the Gatorade cup goggles should be this podcast. John Scott for All Star. Oh, that is our total spirit animal too. Yeah. So we should totally make that like. Make that anytime I see a fan vote go out now, I'm like, didn't you learn though? Yeah, like it never ends well when it's just a straight up open fan vote. Well, it ended pretty well for them. Oh, it ended up fine, but you know. So what is it? The vote is tomorrow, starting at ten, or they announce it at ten. I don't know, but if it's Lobatone, I, I think that's fine. Yeah, that is that would be awesome. I love that. Um. I don't think I missed any more questions. Uh, responses to what we've been talking about now. Jonathan says MVP baseball 2005 is still the best baseball video game ever. I've never played it. Yeah, I was busy in college. Yeah, I was I was also in college at the time, but I never played it, unfortunately. No. Uh, and Fang also, when we were talking about 80s music, he said uh, Fugazi is 80s music, right? I was Yes, Fang, but I don't think it quite plays for what we're talking about here. Nice. Uh, so that is a tight hour. Wow. That couldn't have timed that any better. Nice. Uh, anything else to add before we, uh, wrap up besides teasing the fact that, uh, about a, a couple of days before opening day, we're, we're finally prepared to make our big announcement of what we're going to be doing this season. Just what, throw what, it that in. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be big. We're going to yeah. blow it up. It's going to be enormous. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll tease a little bit more as it gets closer. But our our goal is to launch some some cool things uh, 
a few days before opening day so we can uh we can get this podcast started right in the 2016 baseball season and keep it going right uh, mm-hmm. in the 2016 baseball season. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun season. I am, I think I'm generally more excited about this season uh, than I was two months ago, than I was three months ago, than I was even last year. So I'm, I'm starting to get really excited. There's baseball on my TV much more frequently. Um, even like I love watching number 92 come on the field in the eighth inning that the announcers don't even know the name. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Still one of my favorite things is a few years ago when the Cardinals uh, had a guy on, um, on, on third base came in either as a pinch runner or, 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 or yeah, I think it was a pinch runner. And li- literally the, the Chiron on the screen said some minor league guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he was like number ninety nine or something. They're like, oh, we're not even gonna try. Uh, it just it's just a minor league guy. Uh, that's that is what makes spring training so great. But we are uh, now less than a month away from opening day, less than a, and less than a month away from uh, opening day at Nats Park. So we're we're about ready. Yep. And I did not get really any hate at all about about the lemon baked goods. So suck it, Craig. Wow. None. No, well, you didn't no. get any support either. Yeah, that that is valid. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Nat's Talk on the go, and we will catch you guys in a week or so. Episode 112 in the book. Thanks for listening to Nat's Talk on the go. For more information, check us out on the web at www.natstalkonthego.com or contact the guys at Nats Talk on the Go on Twitter. If you like what you heard, take a minute to rate the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Go Nats!